Hi, I'm Dr. Shana, and I'd like to wish you a warm welcome to season three of the Mental Wellness Practice Podcast. We all have mental health, and in this series, we're exploring a variety of different dimensions of wellness that affect our mental health to help you utilize a variety of self-care tips. Today, we're joined by Hope Kelleher. She's the author of Here to Make Friends, how to make friends as an adult, advice to help you expand your social circle, nurture meaningful relationships, and build happier, healthier social life. Woo, mouthful. Yeah, <laughs> lots of wonderful things that we'll explore in our time together for sure. Hope, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Shana, for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity to join your season three podcast. Thanks. So, you know, earlier in the season, we delved into interpersonal relationships at large, just kind of introducing the aspect that our relationships affect our mental health and our mental health go ahead in turn affects our mental, uh, our relationships. Now, with that being said, I really wanted to amplify friendships because it comes up a lot in my practice Yet, I think back to a lot of my training and what we think, even just psychology historically, focuses a lot on early attachment, right? So often the mother, maybe they'll look at the father, right? And then early childhood, maybe birth order, family systems, and then eventually your partnerships. But there's not a lot of focus on friendships. Yet I was seeing so many people come into my practice talking about friendships and mental health. I'm hoping you can help us first understand a little bit about that disparity. Sure. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Shana, like you, you know, as a therapist, did not receive a lot of um, training around the friendship relationships and those dynamics, you know, when I was um, studying, even in my postgraduate program um, at the Ackerman Institute. And, and so I think that, you know, you know, in theory, we've, we all know that to some extent communities support us, right? We are homo sapiens. We've evolved in community. Um, and especially as, you know, more families are disconnected, communities become so important, right? And as do something that I like to call our functional family, the friends that we choose to supplement or supplant what um, maybe our family members would have done 20, 30, you know, 50 years ago for us. So there is a disparity. And I think to your point, you know, most therapists I know, there's you're always hearing about some type of a friendship um, conflict um, dilemma where there's not enough reciprocity, where friends diverge on the life course and the meaning and the impact that that has on friendship. So you're right. There's not enough about, um, you know, the importance of the friendship relationships that we all experience and that we all need to, I would say, survive and thrive. Yeah. And even you mentioned the importance of the friendship experience. And again, I would echo that a lot of my training, but I think the world, we tend to minimize friendships and the importance when we compare it to some other things, right? Like parent-child relationships, partner-to-partner relationships. Somehow, historically, friendships have not ranked there, yet I am seeing people, and I speak just like, honestly, for myself, my friends are a lot of my close friends in particular are just as important to me as really close family members. So it sounds like it's undoubted to you that friendships are important. Can you tell us a little bit about why people would doubt that and why it is actually important to acknowledge that friendships matter? 
Sure. Um, you know, one hypothesis I have is that when we are small, there's a lot of emphasis on learning how to play and to make uh, friendships, right? Um, I'm not a, a bio parent, but, um, you know, for the parents out there, there's a lot of or organization around play dates and teaching kids how to socialize. And that's how friendships, I think, first form, right? There's this anchor institution. There's an emphasis on the need um, for play and for socialization. And then over the life course, when we start to separate from those anchor institutions, whether it's schools, um, you know, community centers, when we start to evolve our own family units, the, I, I do believe that the, uh, the focus becomes more on that bio family, right? The kin, the kin um, and the kinship relationships. And so I think historically, especially I would say in Western American culture, that is what has happened, right? We become sort of um, very um, in our focus and friends are on the outside. Um, and I do think as we, you know, adults, when they leave anchor, institu anchor institutions or play or socialization is not a core component, the, you know, what happens is we see that people evolve uh, to focus on their families and our work. And more and more what I've seen in my practice, and forgive me for the background noise over here, is that like older adults approaching retirement right, um, have a lot of anxiety about losing that anchor institution of work for the socialization. They haven't maintained um, a community into um, their later years. And if they had children, they're, they've, they've gone and left the nest and started their own family. So it really is important to cultivate and maintain friendships. And there's an abundance of research that says community and friendships for both men and women, really all people, um, you know, are good, uh, correlate to positive health outcomes, right? So in terms of like heart health, mental health, um, physical health as people, and even financial health um, as people kind of move along the life course. Something I hear you emphasizing is that friendships are a big part of the community at large and something we know that we are a social species at the end of the day, no matter how introverted or how much you like your personal independent time, we do, we, we, that's just who we are. We do need community. And while we may think of community many times as our family, that can be a big part of that but also friendships play a big role in that throughout life. I love that you mentioned retirement because I think a lot of times we think friendships are for younger individuals and you mentioned these anchoring institutions. So there's the association with school, for example, but we need them throughout our lives. And I appreciate you mentioning some of the benefits as well. You mentioned a term earlier that I want to come back to. Um, friendships either to supplement or to supplant. And it really hit me like a wave because like I mentioned, there's this gap between the world treating friendships like it's not as important yet people in my practice, when a friendship is awry or when they lose their friendship or a friend moves away or a friendship is in a partnership that's unhealthy, how it affects them. A lot of times it's as if they're losing a partner, as if they're losing a sibling. And it's only then that it really clicks. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping you can break down for us the supplant or su supplement, supplement aspects of friendship. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, to, to supplement is to enhance, right? And so for those of us who are lucky, or at least that's my, how I'm defining supplement, 
um, for those of us who are lucky enough to have, um, you know, communities of origin, so extended families, nuclear families, you know, the friendship circles, they enhance um, all of that stuff, right? And these are people that we choose based upon certain features or characteristics. We're actually get we, we know we're getting something out of the relationship and we're hopeful that we can give something back. You know, to supplement um, really means to kind of replace the, 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 the family of origin, right? And so we're in this position where we can pick and choose, right? I mean, the hope is that most of us are in this situation where you can pick and choose people who are going to be your core uh, people, just as maybe one would have hoped your family of origin was. Some of us don't have strong families of origin or have very dysfunctional families of origin. So our friends become like, you know, a sister, a brother, an aunt, a mother, an uncle. Um, and so that's why I think it's actually important why it shows up so often in therapy sessions. Right. A conflict with a girlfriend just feels so catastrophic or a friendship breakup or a friendship betrayal or somebody not being there um, can feel so painful, perhaps because we also place um, more expectations on our friendships because we do choose them. Yeah, that chosen element really reminds me of um, how people focus on family of origin versus choosing a partner, choosing partners. This. Well, I selected you, so there's a higher expectation. So I hear that in the friendship element too, you know, in acknowledging that not everyone has the healthiest family of origin or even acquired family, right? And Mm -hmm. noticing that friendships can supplement something that may be lacking or potentially even fill a void, right? Although it's it's never fully filled, right? But there's there's a need there that we're trying to get to. I'm not sure if people see this on the the day-to-day with friendships, just like, I like you, I got things in common, maybe I'll see you at my lunch break. It's it's seen as something a little bit more surface level. What you're talking about with ease is something that is so much deeper. And I wonder if we need to offer ourselves the permission to look at, well, what do our communities look like? And maybe you narrow into your kin and your family and think, well, what do I have here and what do I not have that I would like, want, and worthy of, would like to build on? And honoring then that a friendship maybe already fulfills that space or contributes to it, or even allowing ourselves to say, I want this to be filled, so I'm going to try to create a friendship because I can access that. Again, I choose. I can choose to fill that space. Is that a healthy like chain of behaviors? Because I'm just thinking about it as you're going, and it's something that comes up in my work often. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that, um, you know, we can grow and cultivate certain relationships, um, you know, where we, where we can get the support or fill a need. And, and as long as there's like reciprocity, right? Um, you know, I think there are also very different types of friendships that we have to acknowledge. And sometimes this is what I see in my practice where somebody has this expectation that, you know, this person is their best friend. And um, therefore, that means that they have to be by their side where that friend perhaps sees their relationship um, in a different way, probably maybe less significant, right? And so there are different types of friendships. So I like to break the types of friendships down into like, Friendships, like soulmate friendships, um, you know, friendships of utility, friendships Mm -hmm. of pleasure. 
And I think therefore that can allow people to think about, it's not just like, oh, I like this person. I want to be their friend, but like, what, what kind of relationship do, do you, I think I can cultivate with this person and can, can it, can there be some degree of reciprocity? If that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And I, when I hear reciprocity, it's something that I want in any relationship, right? Um, now, of course, there are certain conditions in which that's not a acceptable or developmentally appropriate, but generally speaking, healthy relationships have that element of reciprocity. So I'm happy to hear you say that. I love the instrumental way that you're defining friendships. And I'd love for you to kind of highlight those again, and maybe kind of share what that would look like an example, because we were talking about, because friendships are a choice, they're in it becomes these expectations but if we're not being clear with ourselves first about what we're seeking in the friendship, and then also being clear about what the person can offer, there's a huge mismatch that happens there. So can you break down those different examples again? Sure. And, and, and to your point, we see, we see that conflict, that dilemma a lot in our practice, right, where there is a mismatch. So, um, you know, I like to categorize them, as did Aristotle, into um, like friendships of the good or soulmate friendships, right? Those are the friendships where you can go really deep, you feel really seen, you feel like you can really understand and know the other person. Would used to joke like, oh, my work wife or my work husband, right? It's like that kind of, in, there's some level of synchronicity, there is some interdependence. It's the friend that like you can see 20, 20 years from now and pick up where you left off and they fully get you, right? And then there are friendships of utility. So maybe, you know, you, um, you have to go to a work function and you are invited with a plus one and maybe you just take the next available kind of acquaintance, right? Um, a friendship that, you know, somebody who's accessible and available to you um, and it can grow, right? But it starts that way. Oh, you know what? So-and-so is available. There's a work happy hour. Hey, do you want to come? Um, or you know, friendship of utility, you're sitting alone in the cafeteria and you invite the next person and you, and you kind of, you know, there is some utilization of that person, right? But, you know, there almost has to be that reciprocity. And then friendships of pleasure, right? So, you know, if we think about um, like kids who might play soccer, like I like, you know, can, can Johnny come over because I'm on his soccer team, right? Where you can enjoy experiences with that person, right? You know, I have a friend who's really into music and comedy. And so, you know, we go to comedy shows and music, uh, music together, right? So she's sort of like a friendship of pleasure. Um, and these friendships can evolve or they can just stay, right? Hmm. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of like that vulnerability dance that happens just as, as we do when we're dating of like, you know, testing where the relationship goes. From my perspective, unlike dating, it doesn't have to end there, <laughs> right? You can kind of, you know, if you if you know who these people are in relation to you, you can keep a friendship of utility, right, around. You can keep a friendship of pleasure around and have it just be that, right? You know, just that person that maybe you go to a workout class with. And that is okay because um, like all relationships, um, you know, change is the only constant and friendships are always evolving, always changing. Um, and there's always like a rebalancing that happens. 
I appreciate you breaking that down. And I'm imagining that listeners might be doing exactly what I just did as I listened to you. I'm going through it. And I'm like, who do I have? Who do I have? Who do I have? And it really was helpful to kind of do that, to sit with it as almost like a checklist chart and kind of assess and do take inventory kind of. And in doing that, I want to honor that some people might be experiencing some gratitude and like, oh, I'm glad I have someone that fits this mark. And others might be experiencing some like loss and grief and sadness right now thinking, I don't have someone in that role uh, or I had and I don't anymore. And I just want to acknowledge that even such a simple checklist like you were sharing could bring up a lot of emotion. So that first and foremost. So I have to be honest, when I hear you say, you know, soulmate friendships, or I immediately have this warm and fuzzy reaction in my body, thinking about clients who have talked about friends that fit this category. I'm thinking about my friends I've had over the years that fit this category. You transition into talking about utility, and it's almost like my body tenses up. It, it's hard to hear of, like it, it, the way I'm processing it is, oh, a friendship can just be it sounds like a friend of convenience almost. That's how I'm processing it. And I'm hoping you could clarify if I'm in a totally wrong category, but I'm thinking, oh my gosh, the friend who just, I'm thinking about a work friend, right? That's like not your best person. You don't have a lot of shared values, not a lot of common, but it's like, I want to go for a quick walk. You want to go with me? I want to go grab a coffee. You want to go with me? That's how I'm seeing it. It's so interesting because I'm giving you my honest reaction is like from an emotional place, it's hard for me, but from a practical place, I'm like, that makes sense. Like, why can't it just be that sometimes? Why can't it be simpler sometimes? I'm wondering if you've ever heard of other people like responding in this way of like, wait, what? Utility friendship? I, I absolutely have. And I think this is where some some of our clients and, and like my friends and myself come in and have these dilemmas, right? Because there there might be different expectations. Um, mm. So for instance, like I remember when I was a young social worker um, and I'm still friends with this person, but she was my office mate. So we would go get coffee. We would um, talk about our, 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 our challenges in the work. We would, we were doing home visits. We go on home visits together. And would we occasionally see each other outside of work? Yeah. When we would get on the phone, what would we talk about? We would talk about work, right? Like we were serving, I, I feel like in this relationship, we, there was this um, mutual unsaid understanding of who we were to each other. Like we were kind of the emotional support people for work and just for work. Right. Um, but yeah. I, I, can, mm -hmm. I can appreciate how one, um, it can feel freeing, right? That it, it doesn't have to be anything more. And for some people, it can feel really confining because, you know, there might be this unsaid hope that this person at work or the person in your workout class or the other parents of a, a kid your kid goes to school with is going to be something more, right? And so that is always, I think, where it gets a little sticky. Um, but with any relationship, there is this dance of testing somebody out. Can you, how do you take that to the, the soulmate um, friendship level, right? Like, how do you, if you're dating, like, how do you take it to the next level, right? To become more intimate. And that's where I really encourage people to see um, within their limits of comfortability, um, like test 
if the other person can be emotionally available to you. Because when I think of like the soulmate friendships, you know, it is my, my best friend I can get on the phone and say like the most absurd thing to you, right? Like I can talk very intimately with that person, like almost with as much ease as I can, my partner, right? Um, versus, you know, like the lady down the street who I kind of want to get to know. I'm not going to call her up and be like, this is like, crazy thing that just happened right <laughs> so there so there so there is a little bit of a dance of vulnerability that we do when we're trying to see is this just a workplace friend that we go and have lunch together and get coffee together and complain about our boss together or can you take it to the next level I appreciate you explaining that a little bit more because as I'm thinking about it you know the utility I think my aversion to the utility is also that I haven't offered myself a lot of freedom to think about these categories before you offered them. So it almost seems like a utility friend is not as important. But then I think about mental health, especially basic mental health 101, and someone who can help you be accountable to taking that walk on your lunch break to getting up for the morning workout, that can be a utility person that has a really instrumental role to play. Um, and especially, again, mental health 101, sometimes we're not capable personally to have the capacity to delve deeper into deep emotional things all the time. And the soul friend might be a little too much for a really like vulnerable state. So I, I'm revamping the way I see utility because it occurs to me as a friendship of convenience. And there's something that... I'm working through, honestly, as we speak of like, that seems cold, but then I'm like, gosh, there's something, as you mentioned earlier, freeing about that of, well, I can offer myself to everyone. So at least at the same level or capacity, right? So there's something that kind of helps to organize thoughts, feelings, and just reality of what people can offer and what we can offer. So I really, really appreciate that. I want to talk about that aspect that, you know, you and I alluded to, we experience a lot in our practice that people are coming in and there's issues with friendships and they're almost caught off guard by the fact that it's affecting their mental health, concerns that come up and how they affect our mental health. Sure. I think, um, you know, from my professional and personal experience, I think one of the most profound um, relational dynamics around friendships that really impact mental health are friendship breakups. Um, when friends pull away, sort of like the equivalent to ghosting, when friends really just do this, like, you know, they've fallen off the face of the earth and what is that about? Um, you know, a lot of times um, friendship breakups can be, you know, even more impactful than like a divorce or or an intimate partner breakup just because, um, you know, you, you choose them and you can go intimate and there's like, you know, I think we all hold this unconscious that our friends are always our friends, <laughs> right? And that's not always the case. Um, and so that's actually, I think, one of the most painful experiences that I've had to witness as a therapist and even personally. And then when people just ghost, right? Um, there's no explanation. Um, you don't know what you did wrong. You know, I find that people, you know, tend to catastrophize and they ruminate and and that can actually, like, you know, really create a lot of anxiety and then even lead to depression. Um, you know, and so that's why, you know, I don't know if you're seeing this, but in my practice, you know, I do get friends coming in for therapy. It's a different type of therapy. It's not 
you know, it's sort of like friendship coaching, if you will, what's coming up in this moment. Um, because you're right, we don't have the language to repair friendships or to talk about it. And um, I think it's really going to do us on a more macro level, a big disservice because so many of us are separated from our communities, our families of origin, and we're living longer, right? And so we're going to need more people to maintain, you know, a healthy, healthy mind and body. Yeah. I appreciate you highlighting some of those things. I agree with you in terms of the friendship breakups and, and the ghosting, right? So uh, you, I again bring this parallel up to romantic relationships. When someone is ghosted or breaks up in general with a partner, there is this understanding that like, of course, I'm going to be a little bit heartbroken. Of course, I'm going to catastrophize. Of course, I'm going to have this spiral season as a result of that. But the disparity I see is when a friendship ends, we may not give it the same like gravitas. And I, I think it still holds that. So I appreciate you normalizing. Friendships are important, just like other relationships. So if they go awry, of course, our mental health is also going to be affected. I just wonder if we offer to give ourselves some grace around it's not just romantic partnerships. It's not just familial connections that if we're experiencing some strife there or loss there that they would affect us, friendships can do the same. And I think on the exact opposite realm, I'm thinking about how helpful friendships can be for our well-being. Earlier, you cited, you know, just the general stats that we know. If we've got friends, we're healthier. Period. You can go through dimension of wellness. We're healthier. And I think the average person knows that, but I want to talk about like how practical that is. Two things that come up for me a lot in my work is that friendships can also, friends in general, can often see our blind spots, right? So we all have blind spots and mm -hmm. friends can see them and potentially help us fill them in a way that's way less of a rude awakening if a stranger calls it out or if we learn it for ourselves 10 years later. That's one element. And I often think about, and it's in the self-love workbook, as like the inner friend, inner bully aspect is many times our friends speak to us with such love and kindness. We speak to our friends, whether utility, pleasure, or soul friends, like we speak to them with such love and kindness. And many times we do not treat ourselves the same. So thinking about how we speak to our friends or how our friends speak with us, many times that's a helpful aspect for our mental health. But I'm hoping you can share with us a few more examples of how friendships can help our mental health. Um, I definitely, I like the, the notion um, that if people are available and open to feedback from their friends, that they can grow from that friendship, right? I think that's actually really... I think that's such a truth. And again, like they're sort of trusted because we've chosen them to be in our circle. Um, you know, I also think that like friendships um, can offer diversity of thought and perspective. Um, you know, I have so many different types of friends, different ages. Um, you know, I have some friends that are in their 70s, right? And I'm 40. And I have some friends that are 25. And, um, you know, that the diversity of perspective, I think, has helped me see things um, sort of from many different lenses, but also just grow as a as a, a, 
multifaceted person um, who's got even more dimensions because of the ways that my friendships have enriched my life. Um, you know, and I think that there's also value about keeping you grounded, right? You know, um, like, you know, the friends, the hope is that they can hold some of your vulnerability, especially like the, mm. the soulmate friendships, right? So like when you're suffering, um, they can hold some of that. And that's something mm. that I think most of us long for. And, you know, a lot of us still don't, even in this day of everybody getting therapy, have spaces to hold like our most vulnerable selves. Yeah. And I think it's important to highlight the general disclaimer too, is that many times when people have such helpful friendships, they may think, I don't need a therapist. I have my best friend, right? Many times those people are categorizing them as their full soul friend, but I'm sure you and I both agree that friendships are a great way to supplement your mental health, but please be careful that your best friend, regardless of how much wonderful, compassionate space they can hold for you is a very different role than a therapist would play. Absolutely. And I think the other important thing, um, when thinking about expectations, um, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you vocalize that? Right? Like friendship of convenience, here's this expectation, but you can also have implicit boundaries. And I think boundaries are really important for like any type of interpersonal and professional relationship, but friendship boundaries are also important. You know, you just spoke of uh, the, the reality that your best friend should not be your therapist, should be able to hold space for, for some of your stuff, right? But the boundary is, is it reciprocal, right? Mm. As a therapist, it should not be reciprocal, right? <laughs> and so those are the boundaries that we have. Um, and it can help uh, people set um, implicit, more realistic expectations of the friendship. I appreciate that clarification. It's such a helpful point. And I concur with you through and through about boundaries. But Hope, I really appreciate your time today. You know, I'm thinking listeners may want to learn a little bit about your work, especially around this topic of friendship. So if they are interested in learning more about you and what you do, where would they find you? They can find me online. Um, I have an Instagram handle. I'm, I'm a slight Luddite, but they can find me at The Friendship Therapist. Um, they can also check out my website, hopekellehertherapy.com. Um, um, and I also have another book coming out um, I, that came out a couple of weeks ago on Amazon. So it's the uh, Women's Workbook uh, for Resilience, and they can find that on Amazon. Thank you so much for sharing those resources, and congratulations on your new release as well. Thank you, Shana. So nice. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a uh, great opportunity. I'm glad that we could catch up and talk like this. Thank you so much for sharing about friendships and mental health. We really appreciate your time. Thank you.